Hey, you guys. Um, as we look forward to revival, and Brother Todd talked about that March 22nd through 25th, we've been just trying to intentionally prepare ourselves, right? We've talked about it, that we can call revival or we can call it whatever, but if God doesn't show up and do reviving, we've just had services. And so I want to encourage you and just remind you, Wednesday night, 6 o'clock, right here in the sanctuary you are, we are gathering to spend intentional time in prayer as a, as a body, right? We're singing songs, but we're intentionally this time as given to prayer and we're allowing the scriptures just to guide us in that. That and and to pray intentionally and so um, again we're just longing for that but as we a part of that I want to bring a text to you today we're jumping a little bit forward you haven't been with us we've been walking through the gospel of Matthew and we were there in Matthew 5 last week but I want to jump forward just a little bit just to give us um, some clarity on something I think is important and that God often uses as part of bringing about revival as people begin to hunger for him and that's that word fasting right you you may have heard of it you may have not heard about it I'm not sure where it lands on you it's, it's kind of an interesting dynamic that we'll kind of talk about throughout but but fasting brings us to a place of saying, listen, just as I hunger for food, so I desire that my soul would hunger for God. And just like I need daily food, right? That's part of what happens with fasting. You deny yourself some food for a little bit. I'm telling you, just like, oh, Pooh Bear, there'll be some rumbly in your tumbly. You with me? And you, as you begin to think about the fact that you long to eat, you begin to realize that you are physically weak. And in need of food, of substance. So it is, it reminds you that just in the same way, you and I, brothers and sisters, are spiritually weak. And our desperate need of God to do a work that we cannot do for ourselves. So fasting is a way in which it brings about this intensity, this recognition of our need of God. I got a question for you today as we start out. Have you ever done the right thing for the wrong motive? Have you ever done the right thing for the wrong motive? I've shared this story. It's been a long while back, but it's one that kind of forms. Um, it's a forming moment in my life. Um, I was there. I was a young kiddo like many of you. I was in church, and somebody in front of me was playing with a teenage mutant ninja turtle during church. And I so wanted that teenage mutant ninja turtle. After church, this crazy situation happens. Right, I'm sitting right behind him. The Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle shows up missing after church. We form a search party, right? Everybody is looking for the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle. But man, that Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle went missing. We couldn't find it anywhere. On the way home that day, we're riding in my car. Or my, I'm riding with my parents in the car. And in the back seat, out from my pocket comes that Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle. And I'll never forget this moment. I'll never forget my dad whipping the car around and driving back. And I can literally still see myself getting out, walking up that driveway and going, knocking on that door and saying, here's your Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle. I stole it. And I lied about having it. It was this moment, right? Because you think about it. I was like, man, I, I was searching frantically like anywhere it could be. It's like, hey, do you think it might be under here? Do you think it could be under there? And all the while it was in my pocket. But I was doing the right thing, right? If you were just watching the outward appearance, you'd say, man, that guy, he's, he's, he's looking for that Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle everywhere. I was doing the right thing. But the motive, listen, man, my heart was all about hiding and concealing because I wanted that. Right, my assumption is that some of you have experienced moments of that, right? Outwardly, you want everyone to believe that everything is good and, and that you are doing it right. But the truth is, right, we all struggle with that, don't we? 
We struggle with this wanting to appear outwardly better than we actually are inwardly. And the danger is this desire is so great that we often neglect our real need. And that is of a Savior and of forgiveness and redemption. See, the right thing done with the wrong motives gains us nothing in God's sight. The right thing done with the wrong motives gains us nothing in God's sight, but it will gain this from people. And boy, our hearts love that, don't we? Our hearts long for that praise, for that admiration, right? We long to have people praise and adore us And so today I want to set before you this idea, this big idea. I seek after Christ through fasting because He first came near to me through His blood. I seek after Christ through fasting because He first came near to me through His blood. Today is my hope and prayer that maybe we would answer some important questions for you. That maybe you just, again, as you deal with fasting, maybe it's a new idea, maybe it's something you've heard but not ever really studied much. We need to ask some questions. Is fasting biblical? Does it matter why or how I may fast? Is there a wrong way or a right way maybe to fast? What might fasting look like in my life? And so those are just some of the questions by God's grace I hope to answer for you this morning. So let's get to it. The first one, this question, is fasting biblical? Right? If it's not biblical, we don't need to waste our time with it. But if it is, then we need to tune up and listen and say, okay, how might that look for me as a follower of Christ? So first question and foremost out of the gate, is fasting biblical? Listen to what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 6, verse 16. Whenever you fast, don't be gloomy like the hypocrites. For they make their faces unattractive so that their fasting is obvious to who? People. Truly, I tell you, they have their reward. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face so that your fasting isn't obvious to people, but to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. It's really clear from the gate that guess what? Jesus doesn't say if, does He? He expects His people to fast. Listen to that. Verse 16, whenever you fast. Verse 17, but when you fast. I'm amazed how often there is pushback on fasting. Man, people just come out like, no, what? I mean like, but listen, in this same passage of Matthew chapter 6, in Matthew chapter 6, verse 2, Jesus says that whenever you give. And in Matthew chapter 6, verse 5, He says whenever you pray. And we have no problem believing that God expects us to give and that God expects us to pray. But man, when it comes to fasting, we're like, well, absolutely not. Like, I mean, like, listen, fasting is like for like those, those spiritual people in the church or maybe like that religious nut friend that you have. And like they're always fasting and doing this crazy. I mean, like you think it's for those people, but that's not for you. But again, in the context of Matthew 6, Jesus is expecting that his disciples, his followers will pray. They will give and they will fast. Now, listen, guys, we come up with many objections and reasons why we can't. But I want to compel you that it's first and foremost out of the gate. It's biblical to fast. It's an expectation that Christ has of his followers. In fact, I mean, I'll just be honest with you. I've seen more people celebrate fasting because of the the, the health benefits. 
right? Like it's a chance to detox or to lose weight or to do this or that. All the while, listen, I'm all for that. Let's get healthy. Absolutely. Let's do it. But yet we're so unwilling to do it that we might become more like Christ. And that's a hard issue, brother. That's a hard issue, sister. If that's you, listen, I'm not trying to be mean today. I'm just asking, why are we so willing to do things for our physical health, our physical temple, and yet care nothing about the inward? Because we live in a culture, man, that always applauds the outward. And Jesus says, for my disciples and my followers, we live for the secret because we live and serve a God as Paul says in 1 Timothy 6, our God who lives in unapproachable light, whom no one has seen or can see, to Him be glory forever and ever. Amen. It's this praise that we desire, that we're dealing with in this text, this longing that all of us have to do the right thing outwardly, all the while we may not be rightly inward. So yes, we need to ask if this is an example that we're called to fast. Is there examples in the Bible of people fasting? Well, we have one of the clearest ones, right? We walked through it just a couple weeks ago. We kind of moved past it pretty quickly. But Matthew 4, we have Jesus fasting. Jesus is fasting, right, to show His dependence upon the Father, His strengthening that comes from the power of the Spirit, and His reliance upon the Word of God. Nehemiah chapter 1, verse 4, He fasts, right? We see Him fasting as He confesses sin, as He repents, and He's seeking to find favor, right, in the sight of the King to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. David in Psalm 35 humbles himself and fasts for God to intervene because of a period of injustice that he's experiencing. In 2 Samuel chapter 12, we say David fasting for healing or miraculous intervention, right? There are reasons why we might fast. What about Esther and Mordecai and the Jews, right? They begin to fast because Haman has this evil plot that they're going to kill all the Jews. And so they begin to fast and cry out to God that He would intervene on their behalf and show favor in the eyes of an earth. King. They have an invisible king that they are desiring to please who can move the hearts of kings and presidents and great men and women upon the face of the earth, beloved. What about the early church? The early church fasted as a part of their worship and committing their ministries to the Lord. The early church fasted. Why? Because they needed guidance. Maybe you're just in a season. We're going to talk about it at the end. But maybe you're just, man, you just got to make some big decisions right now. Where do I go to school? Who do I marry? What about this job? Right? What about this situation? Maybe some of you are dealing with church and where should you be? And man, I'm going to compel you that it was part of just prayer and fasting to seek and cry out to the Lord. This is just a glimpse, but I want you to get a clue really quickly that fasting is biblical. It is a part of the DNA of God's people. So if fasting is biblical, then we need to maybe ask this second question, right? Maybe a follow-up. Is there a right or wrong way to fast? Right? And so first and foremost, Jesus gives to us the wrong way to fast, doesn't He? So let's look with it again. How to fast the wrong way. Look what He says back in verse 16 of Matthew 6. Whenever you fast, don't be gloomy like the hypocrites. For they make their faces unattractive so that their fasting is obvious to people. Truly, I tell you, they have their reward. 
So look what he says here again. Look what happens. So again, the, the context is fasting, but he notices he says there, don't be gloomy, right? And he speaks about hypocrites, right? So what are they doing to be gloomy? Look what he says there further. For, right? So again, you have some just some key markers. We talk about this a lot, but these are just important words. For, you get to sow that, right? These are just words as you're interpreting God's word at home, as you're teaching your Sunday school classes, as you're pouring into children and youth here, right? We're taking God's word and letting it be of the teach. Let it be the guide, right? Let God's word speak truth in life. So again, what are they doing to make their gloomy. Look what he says there. For they make their faces unattractive, right? So they're doing something to show to everyone, right? And maybe they're not washing. Um, maybe the, in their culture they wouldn't be shaving, right? Possibly they might even sprinkle ashes on their head, right? Which is, again, it was a part of mourning, right? Sackcloth and ashes. We see that throughout the Old Testament. But often he's saying, listen, they do it just so everybody knows. Oh, that's a spiritual person. Oh, that's what it looks like. And that's what they're after. It's not to be seen by God. It's not to bring God glory. It's not to truly draw near to God. It is for the praise of people. Right? Look, I mean, that's what he says. Look at him. Whenever you fast, don't be gloomy like the hypocrites, right? So what makes them hypocrites? Right? We need to ask that. Four, he says, they make their faces unattractive so that, here's the reason why, their fasting is what? Obvious to people. That's what's hypocritical about it. Truly, I tell you, they have their reward. They're seeking the wrong reward. Right? I mean, you might think, well, well, listen, like, I don't know if we have those cultural expressions. I don't see many people throwing ashes on their head or sackcloth. And I don't know if I'd really notice if somebody hadn't shaved or not shaved, right? I, I might know if that somebody needs a little, little, little DO for the BO, right? You might notice some of those things, right? But, but the reality is our culture looks a little bit different. But man, I'll just tell you just some, maybe some struggles I have sometimes when I experience fasting. Sometimes I like to act miserable. I like to tell my family how hungry I am, right? Like, I wish I could eat that. Right? I mean, listen, you may be tempted, like, even if you think, hey, this is something God's calling me to do, you might be tempted, like, to jump on social media soon and be like, like, somebody talks about food, and you're like, I just wish I could eat, hashtag fasting, hashtag revival, hashtag I'm more spiritual than you. Right? I mean, like, that would be like the outward appearance. You get it? So our culture looks different, but we've got all these expressions of what we're trying to do. So look what Jesus says again. For they make their faces unattractive so that their fasting is obvious to people. The issue is not, Jesus is not saying the issue is not whether people know you're fasting. The issue is whether you want them to know you're fasting. That's the issue. It's not whether or not someone may know that you're fasting. The problem with it is you want people to know you're fasting. That's the heart issue. Do you see it? It's the heart that's starting to be unfailed, right? Jesus just has this unbelievable, marvelous way of just letting the light in and begin to expose our darkness. And he says in John 3 that men will not come, women will not come, boys will not come, girls will not come into the light for fear that their evil deeds will be what? Exposed. He says because men and women, boys and girls love darkness rather than light. It's this unbelievable moment of our hearts being exposed. So remember, let it settle on you for a moment. It's possible to do the right thing, to fast, but with the wrong motives, to please people and to have people praise you. And our gain, Jesus says, I want you to know the truth about all of this. They have their reward. Your reward is temporary. It's from people. And it's no real reward at all. All of this helps us realize that fasting isn't just going without food. 
right? I mean, this isn't just about food as we begin to look at this. If it's just giving up food or something else, we've dishonored the heart of fasting. Fasting is about drawing near to God through surrender and obedience. In fact, we have a a book in the Old Testament of an example of people fasting. It's the book of Jonah, right? Jonah shows up to the Ninevites and the Ninevites, right? Listen, I don't know if you you know the story, but the city of Nineveh was the capital of the ancient Assyrian empire. The Assyrians were ruthless people. And God sends Jonah, man, to go and share the gospel with these guys. We had this unbelievable moment in Jonah chapter 3 to let us know that fasting isn't just about giving up food or something else. It is always about your, my heart, and our obedience and surrender to God. Listen, listen, this, this is just one of those biblical examples that just makes it crystal clear. So you don't leave here thinking you just got to go out and deny yourself food just for denying it so you'll feel religious or you'll feel good about yourself. Now look what happens here. Verse 7. This is the king of Nineveh and his nobles. No person or animal, herd or flock, is to taste anything at all. Right? This is what's called an absolute fast. Listen to how he defines it. They must not eat or drink water. Anything at all. Right? That's called an absolute fast. So they're not eating or drinking water. So you say, okay, so it's just fasting. That's why God responds and says he's going to relent. No, listen to what happens here. Look what the king says. Everyone must call out earnestly to God. Each man must what? Turn from his evil ways and from his wrongdoing. Then look what happens here. Again, this shows us if you think you're going to go out and just fast for just fasting's sake, and it's not about your heart surrendering to God, it's not about your obedience, and it's not about longing to see more and delight more of Christ. Listen to what God says here in verse 10 of Jonah chapter 3. God saw... Their actions. What actions? You see, they're fasting. Look at this. This is important. You gotta catch this. God saw their actions, alright? So what are these actions? That they had done something. Here's what he says. That they had what? Turn from those evil ways. That's what God sees. Now they are fasting, right? It's obvious they're fasting, but God ultimately, look, He's relenting from the disaster He had threatened them with. Why? Because God is looking at the heart. It's this unbelievable, beautiful moment, right, of God seeing their obedience, the life change. And I think this brings us to the real problem here. The truth is, even our good works condemn us. Even the good works condemn us. Even on our best of days, right, even when you're fasting, you can't be good enough. Why? Because our hearts are wicked. We can even take a good thing, fasting, and we can make it about us. Do you see that? Our hearts are to pray, beloved. Remember how we talked in Matthew chapter 5 as we began this, this study of the Sermon on the Mount here in Matthew. Matthew 5, 3-12, through 12, the Beatitudes. And we said, listen, it kind of sets the course for the rest of the sermon that Jesus is going to give. And it says, listen, this outward show reveals to us, right? This outward show of fasting here in Matthew chapter 6 of doing it just for others. It reveals the fact, listen, that we don't really think we're poor in spirit at all. There's no mourning there. Why? Because, man, we got it together. Now, there are other people. There are other people in the church. There are other people in your family. There are other people in the community. Now, those people, they really need Jesus. But you... Come on now. Jesus is warning about that very danger and He calls them hypocrites. Beloved, don't live 
for others. But the truth is, guys, let's be honest. We've all been there or we are there right now. That's the hardwired sinful nature as you walk maybe through Romans 5 in your Sunday school if you had the Gospel Project like we did. It's the hardwired, right? Psalm 51 and 5, we talked about this morning. David says, surely from birth from my mother's womb I was sinful. It's just a longing desire to, to satisfy ourselves, to glorify ourselves. And so listen, beloved, I want to know, you to know a truth about where it will lead you if you keep following your own evil heart. Jesus says in Matthew 5 and 8, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see what? God. There's no way to see God about your heart being purified by the Savior. You can have all the good works you want. You can have all the church attendance you want. You can have all the giving in that plate, all the outward praying. You can have all the outward fasting. But this text reminds all of us we are in need of a Savior We've all performed for so long for so many that it just becomes who we are and what we do. But beloved, there is another way. There is a verse 17. But when you fast, there's something different about the people of God. It's this transforming word. So listen, maybe we just set this idea before you. That true fasting is seeking God because He first sought me. True fasting is seeking God because He first sought me. Hmm. Listen to what Jesus says back here in verse 17. But when you fast. Right? He's kind of comparing these, right? Of this, this moment of, of there's these folks that fast one way, and listen, there's just these two different forms of fasting. They both may appear outwardly similar, but there's something totally different happening inwardly, right? We may all sing the songs this morning, and some of us, it was for outward. It was outward. Hey, can other people hear how good I sound? Do people know I'm singing? But for others, listen, beloved, it was not only outward, it was inward. It began inward. And so listen, Guard your heart above all else, the Word of God says. We've got to. We're all given to that. Listen to this, this moment. Now look what he says here. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face so that your fasting isn't obvious to others, but to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. It's hope. We no longer listen, beloved, listen. We don't have to live for the praise. What's obvious to others? We can truly live for the Father who is in secret, who will reward us. It's a transformation that's happened between these people and these people. And the only thing that can bring it about, listen, it is Paul in Ephesians 2. Listen to what he says. At that time, verse 12, you were without Christ, excluded from the citizenship of Israel, and foreigners to the covenant of promise. Listen to what he says. He says, you're without hope and what? Without God in the world. That's everyone apart from Christ. Without hope and without God in the world. Everyone that you've encountered on your job site this week, if they are not in Christ, they're without hope and without God. Everyone that you walked and met in a classroom, you passed in a hallway, whoever you'll meet at a restaurant here in just maybe a few moments, they are without hope. Everyone on social media that you're interacting with, they're without hope and without God apart from Jesus Christ. And that's where we all are. And every one of us, without hope and without God, we are trying to find some way to justify ourselves and to feel good enough about ourselves. And so we try to do all of these outward things. But there's another way. 
Some of you are sick of performing. You're weary of performing. There's another way. Listen to this verse 13. But now, but now in Christ Jesus, you who were far away have been brought what? Near by the blood of Jesus Christ. It's this unbelievable truth that we who are without hope and without God, that there is an action upon God's behalf and He has sent forth His only Son that in Christ that we who were once far away can be brought near by the blood, by the sacrifice, by the death of Jesus Christ upon the cross. It's this unbelievable moment, right? That Listen, again, look what he says. But now in Christ Jesus, you who are far away have been brought near. Look what he says again. You get this word, by... Notice he doesn't say by, that you've been brought near by fasting. You've been brought near by church attendance. You've been brought near by giving. You've been brought near by going to Kentucky Changers. You've been brought near by teaching that class. You've been brought near by whatever it is. There is only one thing. Listen, there's only one thing that will bring anyone near. It is the blood of Jesus Christ. It's the only thing that will satisfy the wrath of God towards sin. It's the only thing that will turn the anger and judgment of God towards you. It is the only thing that will rescue you on the day of judgment, beloved. Listen to me. It is the precious blood of Jesus Christ, God's own Son, the perfect sacrifice on your behalf, that today if you would repent and believe His perfect life is credited to imputed, it is transferred to you by grace alone, through faith alone, in the beloved Christ alone. What a moment. What a beautiful moment it is, right? And therefore, fasting is, as John Piper says, it's the essence, this is the essence of Christian fasting. We ache and yearn and fast to know more and more of all that God is for us in Jesus, but only because He has already laid hold of us and is drawing us ever forward and upward into all the fullness of God. I mean, you, you've been singing it. You may not know it, but you've been singing it. Oh, victory in Jesus. My Savior forever. For He sought me and what? He bought me by what? His redeeming blood. Did you hear what you just sang? You've been singing it your life. You didn't, I don't know if you knew it or not. But So, oh victory. Why is there victory in Jesus? Why is He our Savior forever? Listen to the song says. For He sought me. And He bought me. By His what? redeeming blood you've been singing the very words right here in ephesians chapter 2 verse 13 it's the hope of the gospel that's why there's victory in jesus that's why there's hope for us that we no longer have to live for this outward performance that is so weary and tiresome and it will damn you it will condemn you please listen to me please Your righteous works are but filthy rags in the presence of a holy God. It will not stand on that day of judgment. There is only one name that will stand. There is only one. It is the precious blood of Christ. If you refuse Him, there is no other offer of salvation. This is the only hope, beloved. It's the only hope for your family. It's the only hope for Greensburg, KY. This is it. It's the blood of Jesus Christ. So we see in this truth that fasting is an expression of our pursuit and desire to draw and abide in Christ. But our fasting is never our righteousness to make God accept us. 
We can't, I mean, what, what could you bring? We're, we're poor in spirit. What, what do you bring when you're, you don't have anything to bring? The good news is, in the midst of having nothing to bring, He came to you. It's, the, it's, it's, called, it's called gospel. It's called good news. It's the hope of this. You're convicted. You're condemned. There's no hope. There's no way out. And yet, God in His love sent His only begotten Son for us in the midst of our sin. So listen, beloved, this is from a forgiven and transformed heart. Now we are fresh and new. Now with that lens, come now and land with me. Here back in verse 17 of Matthew 6. Listen to the different perspective that it provides rather than you just hearing the sermon today and thinking, okay, I need to add fasting to my life and I need to try to do it really well and all that and then hopefully you know, God will do what I'm asking Him to do or He'll provide wisdom or He'll heal this relationship or I just feel... Um, no. Fasting is an expression of our worship and just saying, Jesus, thank You. Here am I, Lord. Send me. I mean, You've done for me what I could never do for myself. Fasting is this expression of a heart that's been transformed. So look what he says, verse 17. But when you fast, put a oil on your head and wash your face. Why? Again, look at it. Another so that, right? So that your fasting isn't obvious to others. That's what fasting, look again. It's not obvious, obvious to others. That's what he's, he's striving at. Right? It's, our goal isn't to attract the attention of whom, someone that we can see. Our goal in fasting is to bring glory and honor and praise to the one that no one can see. He says, why? Because He's made us clean. As He says, so that your fasting isn't obvious to others, but to your Father who is in secret. Fasting again. Look what He says here. Again, this is important, right? We're going to have to answer an important question here. So fasting is not to be obvious to others. Fasting is to be done in what? In secret. Okay? So then it brings an important practical question. Should we tell others that we are fasting? As a general rule, no. Why? Because Jesus says it's to be, not to be obvious to others. It's to be done in secret. However, I'm going to encourage you, if you are fasting and you have a spouse, it's important that you let them know rather than walk in and, and supper's ready or whatever you're doing, right? And you're like, hey, babe, sorry, I forgot to tell you. Not fa- I'm not eating today. I'm fasting, right? That just creates some disunity in your home. So it's, I don't know, again, whoever you commonly may cook for you or you're a part of, you may need to share that with them. That's going to be probably wise counsel, right? Again, it's not, again, it's not that you necessarily have to have everybody knowing, but it's, there's some wisdom in that, right? You with me? Right, not only that, listen, uh, if you got kiddos in your home, I'm just going to be honest, your kiddos catch on pretty quick. Boys usually say something like this, Dad, you're fasting, aren't you? I say, yeah. And you want to know why? There may be this person in our family. I got some lost people in my family, you got them in yours. I got some people, you know, they're sick. I got a question for you. You ever get your own heart dry to this word, man? It just feels so dry. You ever pray and just feel like it just gets stuck somewhere? I'm just asking, are you weak like me? If you're weak like me, then this fasting, it calls you to say, God, help me, please. Do what I can't do. Save them. Open their eyes, God. Heal. God, restore. God, give wisdom. God, keep our church unified. Like, I mean, you just begin to cry out to God because you realize you cannot do it on your own. Lastly, this, guys. It is to be done in secret. It's not to be done obvious to others. But don't lie about it. 
Right? There's been moments some of you guys have just asked, like, Brother Blake, are you hungry? Right? So we have we feed our kids every Wednesday and Sunday night. I don't know if you know that, but every Wednesday and Sunday night we, we feed the kids that we bring in here. Why? Wow, we think that's that's an important ministry. But we have that, so sometimes I'll walk through and they may say, Hey, you, you want something to eat? I just I might say something simply like, I, no thank you. Right? Sometimes occasionally they might press further, like, are you fasting? I don't lie, right? We don't like try to justify, like keep it so hidden that we, we lead ourselves into sin. I might just say, yeah, I am the night. Thank you. Right? But again, the heart is not that I want other people to know or that you want everyone else to know. That's the, that's the heart of the hypocrite. But again, there, there's moments when just practical things come about. So look what he says here at the end of verse 18. And your father who sees in secret will what? Reward you. Now listen, it's important to realize that as you fast, there needs to be a specific purpose. There needs to be a reason, right? Again, we talked about it. You're not just fasting just to be fasting, right? So you're going to hear kind of a call in a moment. We've got 21 days prior to our revival. It's intentional this morning. We're calling you to be a part of this, right? But we want you to have a specific aim. And so let's talk maybe just for a moment, right? Like, well, so if there's a reward, what is that reward? And maybe even before that, we need to ask, like, well, how does fasting even work? Again, I kind of shared at the beginning, but man, I'm telling you, if you go without food for just a little bit, your tummy will begin to get hungry. It will. It's just, it's going to happen. And the moment that hunger pain hits, you remember why you're fasting. And you launch into prayer. The moment when you walk into work or in that meeting and they got donuts on the table and you're like, I love chocolate donuts. I'm just telling you it's going to happen. And you sit there. And other people are eating donuts. And you're like, I want a donut. But then you realize there's something greater than a donut. Oh, there's something so much sweeter. There's something so much greater than donuts. I'm telling you, if you fast, beloved, I want you to know that your best friend or so-and-so is going to invite you to the best restaurant on that day that you are fasting. I'm just telling you. I'm just telling you, somebody that you hadn't heard from in a while is going to pick up the phone and call you and say, Hey, I'd love to take you out to eat today. It's just going to happen. You better prepare yourself now and remember that what you are fasting for is greater than any of the delicacies of this world. It is something that only God can do. It is a work of the Spirit. So let's ask this question again. So fasting, it serves to intensify our prayer life, our seeking after God. So look what he says though. Again, this this is an important statement. And your father who sees in secret will reward you. You need to decide in this life who do you want to reward from. You want it from people or you want it from God? Listen to this. So how might he reward you? We talked about things there already in the text earlier while we saw the people fasting. Maybe you need wisdom today. Again, for a decision. And this is just a time in which you just draw away and say, God, would you just provide wisdom? Maybe you got some relationships, man, that are broken and seem so far beyond repair. You begin just to get on your face and fast and pray and cry out to God. God, would you heal? Maybe you're like me and you got some areas in your life where sin is just kind of set up shop. And you realize that in your own strength and own power, beloved, you cannot resist on your own. Fasting is a way in which you begin to cry out to God. God, break this pattern of sin in my life. God, break the stronghold. Transform me, Lord Jesus. 
right, it's just this moment again of just there's so many things I could share here, but there's this, just the rewards of God. And sometimes, listen, the rewards, you won't see them outwardly. You may not even recognize them. It may seem like the things that you fasted and prayed for, instead of getting better, they in fact got worse. But listen, guys, we have to understand the heart of fasting. It's not just about the denial of food, the denial of something that you might otherwise enjoy. It's not about these things alone. It's about the withdrawal of food and these things. But it's ultimately about a withdrawal from sin and the world that you might draw near to Him. John Christostom, we, I don't know if you saw it or not, but if you had the Gospel Project, it was on the last page of the text there, a quote from him. Um, he's the second bishop there um, in ancient Constantinople, right? 347 to 407 B.C. is when, when he lives. Listen to what he asks again. All oh, this question, this many hundreds of years ago, thousands of years ago. Look what he says. Do you fast? Give me proof of it by your good deeds. What kind of good deeds? If you see a poor man, take pity on him. If you see an enemy, be reconciled to him. If you receive an, an uh, you see, if you see a friend receive honor, don't envy him. If you see an alluring woman, pass her by. Don't just fast with your mouth, but also with your eyes and your ears and your feet and your hands and all the members of your body. He later asked in this this moment, he says, wouldn't it be most absurd to abstain from lawful food because of a fast, but at the same time to touch with the eyes what is unlawful? In short, if fasting is just about denying yourself food or some earthly pleasure, you are missing the point. So let's just ask in closing, what are some practical, maybe what's it look like for me to fast, right? Like, what, what might be some next steps? Tell, help me just maybe practically just go with this. Listen, fasting isn't easy. And you'll find yourself immediately wanting to deny it. I've been struggling recently with fast. Bro, Todd, I can tell you, I had him one day just like, dude, I'm just telling you, I don't want to fast. Like, I have a tendency, if God says fast, I'll bargain with him. Like, well, here, I'll give you this. I'll do this. So uh, listen, I, listen. don't hear this and think, oh, immediately, oh man, that just sounds like I, something I love to do. All of us, listen, we struggle with fasting. But listen, the call to fasting, it's both private and corporate. Right? Jesus is here in Matthew 6 describing a private fast. But listen, guys, again, we would say, I mean, Jesus says it's not to be obvious to others. But he says the very same thing about prayer and giving. In Matthew 6, he says that we are to give in secret. In Matthew 6, he says that we are to pray in secret. And yet we see examples in the New Testament and even in our church today in which we and you and I will pray in public and we will give in public. That's part of the congregation, right? You might look at places like Joel chapter 2 verses 15 and 16 to see an example of a body of believers fasting. Acts chapter 13 verse 2 says that while they, speaking of the church, were worshiping the Lord and fasting. It was something they did together here. Again, it's often private. Typically, that's it. The majority of fasting is private. But there are moments in which the congregation, the people of God, come together to fast. So again, as we prepare for the next 21 days, as we look toward revival, I want to compel you just to begin considering how you might fast. So listen, I don't have time today, but you need to consider in light of your health, right? Consultation with a the physician. There are things, there's some of you, right, for fasting, it's just not wise at the season of life you're in, right? Um, if you will, if you just go to our website, greensburgbaptist.com, there's a link there. You can click on it, right? It'll be right below where the sermon normally is, and it'll fire you to a website. They can answer thousands of questions that I couldn't answer right now in this brief time we have together. But one of those issues is your health, right? So you need to consider that. You need to talk with your family physician about that, right? So, so just, again, there's wisdom in this. 
But fasting, again, it's technically, it's using the Bible as abstinence from food so that you can spend more intentional time there of seeking the Lord and prayer. So what's a normal fast? A normal fast is this. It, it involves abstaining from all food, but you usually drink water. Okay? That's a normal fast. Sometimes people fast, they give up food, and they may drink some type of juice alongside the water. Okay? What about a partial fast? A partial fast is a limited diet. We see it in Daniel chapter 1, verse 12, right? Where they only eat vegetables and drink water, right? And other people are having mood, or meat, mood. They're having, I don't know, they're probably in a mood, right? Um, but nonetheless, right? So they, again, they pass by the delicacies of this world. Imagine that for the next 21 days, you pass by the delicacies of this world. And for each of us, the delicacies are different, aren't they? Right? I mean, chocolate donuts is a weakness of mine. Chocolate chip cookies, if you want to love on me. Chocolate no-bakes, if you really want to love on me and do it in the presence of Danny Halls. Right? But listen, it might be for some of you that you give up that Mountain Dew that you so cherish so you can get on your face. When you long for that Mountain Dew, you realize that you have a greater longing than to do the do. You have a longer, a greater longing to seek Christ, to see someone in your family saved, to see revival come to your church. Right there's again when things about so there's different types of fasts again you can look for more on on our website but it's also a defined time right so often it's like a 24 hour period right that you go without it but sometimes people may go days or or longer I'm going to counsel you just like if you again are new to fasting you're just hearing this today I want to remind you like it wouldn't make sense for you to go out and like let's say hey uh, you've been working out or running any nope hey let's go run 10 miles a day that'd be great right so look again fasting you begin to step into it and so the same way is you begin to slow down your eating as you come into the fast and as you come out you eat little too and then you gradually build don't run out to the buffet right right after you finish your fast gastrointestinally it will cause issues and problems I can tell you so again, there are people that have fasted for much longer. We encourage you. Both Todd and I would love to talk with you about that. Maybe more in a one-on-one setting. If that's something you sense the Lord doing. Again, some of you physically, it's just not maybe practical at this moment in your season of life. Others of you, listen, it's just maybe not where God's leading you. Again, we, it's not about being a show. We want you to be obedient to the Spirit of God. The Spirit may lead some of you differently. And for some of you, listen, you could much better give up a day of eating than you could give up your social media for the next 21 days. Some of you, like me, like I'm terrified, I'll just be honest with you of this. If God asks me to give up screen time, that means I'm going to miss Kentucky basketball, possibly SEC tournament. And I'm like, God, I'll just give you whatever, right? I mean, like, I'm just being honest. You know what I found with fasting is, is often, man, it's the season in which God uses to reveal all the idols in my heart. He starts saying, what about this? I'm like, oh, no, God, no, no, no. How about this? What's behind door number two, right? I mean... I want to compel you, listen. So it may be that God calls you, again, for a day a week to give up TV or videos or games or internet. Right? Some of you may feel led to give up something else. I don't, again, I don't know what it is, but intentionally it's stepping away from the world to draw near to Christ. Right? Sometimes, again, here's, here's one that, that works well. You might just fast one meal a day. Right? So you might fast. You might fast from breakfast or lunch or from dinner. Right? And so you might do that one day a week between now and then. That may be a step into you to fasting. Right? So over the next 21 days, you're going to pick one day each week and you're going to fast one meal that day just to deny yourself a meal that day. That's the first step for some of you. I want to give this caution as we close. Fasting is not a magic wand to get God to do what you want. I've teetered on sharing this because there's some part of me, I'll just be really honest with you, it wants to impress you. And that's the very thing Jesus is against. 
But I feel like I want to throw it out there so that some of you don't take this and miss it. The most intense and longest fast of my life happened when my daddy was sick. And I fasted like hard, man. Fasted so much so that some of you met me at the back door and you asked, are you okay? You don't, you look, you don't look unhealthy. You're losing weight. You, I'm telling you, you lose weight quickly. Some of you asked my wife, what's wrong with Blake? Right? I mean, I, I want to say thank you. You love me. I know that. I see that. But I want you to know I fasted long and hard for my father. And my dad still died. So I don't want you to hear fasting and think it's a magic wand that's going to fix everything. Okay? It's unbelievable about your heart being surrendered to God and learning to pray in the midst of even when your daddy doesn't get better. Not my will, but what? I will be done. That's hard. You can grow bitter because you think, God, I'm giving all that I have and you won't do this for me. It's a hard place, man. You can see it even now. I still struggle with it. I'm just being straight with you. It's hard. I close with this. John Piper in his book, A Hunger for God, says the absence of fasting is indicative of our comfort with the way things are. No one fasts to express how content they are. People only fast out of dissatisfaction because Christ has gone into heaven and we long for His kingdom to come. The absence of fasting is the measure of our contentment with the absence of Christ. I'll leave you with this. What does your lack of fasting say? about your contentment with the things of the world. Would you pray with me? Father, I pray now for the glory of Christ just to shine brighter. I pray in this time, in the midst of discussion on fasting, that You would bring forth the fruit of Your words in Matthew 5. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. God calls us to hunger in this place for something more than the things of this world. Father, I pray now for those who have been performing for far too long that You will cause them, God, to come and find freedom. Not trying to perform to earn Your love, but because You first loved us, now we live in response. I pray this in Jesus' name, Lord. Amen. This is Todd Young with Greensburg Baptist Church. Thank you for joining us today. If you've accepted Christ during today's podcast, we would love to hear from you and connect you with a home church in your area. Or if you have questions regarding a relationship with Christ, Brother Blake and I would love to speak with you. Please contact us at the church office at 270-932-4495 or connect with us through our website at greensburgbaptist.com. In addition, you may visit our website anytime to access the sermon videos and podcast of any recent sermon. You may also subscribe to our podcast in the iTunes store. Have a great day today.